This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Radio Astronomy, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Radio Astronomy. Um, my name is Ian Todd, I'm the magazine's staff writer. Uh, I'm Elizabeth Pearson and I'm the news editor. Uh, and this is a special edition of the podcast because we're actually in Kielder Observatory uh, in the north of England, uh, pretty much as far north um, as you can go in England without before you reach Scotland. Um, in fact, we went into Scotland a couple of times on the way here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> driving over the border and back, yeah. Uh, and um, basically we're spending about two days up here uh, looking in on some of the, the workshops and meeting some of the astronomers and uh, seeing what they really do here and they've got a pretty good out- outreach program uh, yes because Kilda Park uh, where the observatory is situated is one of the UK's many dark sky places uh, dark sky parks and so we're here to take advantage of the incredible dark skies that can be found here and hopefully get to see some really interesting sights in the sky. Exactly. And we're going to be um, listening to some of the workshops and, and seeing some of the outreach stuff that they do and also um, speaking to some of the astronomers to find out a bit more about what they do. So you guys feel free to come in, grab a space around the telescope. I'll just give you a brief description as to what you're looking at in the centre of the room. So I'm here at uh, Kielder Observatory. I'm with uh, one of the astronomers here, Becky Cooper. We'll try to see something if we can. I'll be honest with you, we've had some cloud in the last group, but we did at least get to see the star Sirius, which is a really cool star, because it's the brightest one in Earth's nighttime sky. Becky, thanks for for speaking to me, and thanks for uh, inviting us up to the observatory. Oh, it's great to chat to you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem. Um, And we're actually... um, in, what sort of telescope is this? We're actually we're actually in the observatory. Yeah, here. we're in uh, one of our turrets right now. It's called the Sir Patrick Moore Observatory. This turret, and it's got a couple of our telescopes in the centre just here. Um, so it's pretty dark right now. We'll probably stick the light on a little bit so you can see if you like. <laughs> um, and we were in here last night, and this is actually a roll-off roof, isn't it? Uh, so these doors here are the bits that open. Um, so those grey bits right there, they open up um, to the sky and then the whole turret spins. So you might be able to see all the way around the sort of like these teeth yeah. on that metal bar. Um, so that's how we rotate the full roof. So it's not so much a slide off sort of style, um, but the whole top section spins. If I turn this dial just here, you can hear the roof creak as it spins, over, spins around quite slowly. Oh yeah. Do you see that? It's actually a bit... Uh... Just disorienting, you can kind yeah. of feel yourself moving. It is totally. Lots of people think it's the bottom bit that's spinning, but it's not, honest, it's just the top bit. Yeah. And so I've got to align the roof and the hole there in the roof with wherever the telescope wants to point. Um, so right now, for example, you can see they're misaligned. Um, so if we really wanted to see a star or whatever it was in that direction over there, we'd need to spin the roof around so that the hole pointed in the same direction. Uh-huh. Yep, and we've got two scopes in the centre. Um, one of our most recently acquired ones is this one right here. It's our 16-inch RC. 
Um, and we've got another refractor just like bolted onto the side, sort of like piggybacking on the big one. And one of our mounts, we've got two of these style mounts just here. Pretty cool Paramount mount. And it's all computer controlled. With this computer over here, you can see a couple of screens and computer setup in the corner. So if we want to go for an item in the sky, if I wanted to show you something specific, the planet Jupiter, Saturn, the moon, whatever, then I'd come over to the computer, type in whatever it is that you wanted to see. The scope automatically finds that object for us and then we could view it. Apart from the roof, I have to do that by hand. <laughs> and uh, can the, um, because obviously objects in the sky appear to move, don't they? And that's due to the uh, rotation of the Earth? Yep, that's right. Yep, you get an apparent motion of stuff across the sky. And so the mount's pretty clever, actually. One of the reasons why it costs so much <laughs> is because it automatically tracks objects in the sky for us. So the telescope stays stuck to the item, if that item's moving. And most of them are, of course, because we're spinning in the opposite direction. Um, and it means that if we did view Jupiter or whatever, I could leave you with the planet and you could view away quite happily and it, the telescope would follow it. Uh, but also, if you wanted to image, you could strap a camera to the back and then start doing some long exposures of stuff in the sky as well. So it's quite a handy sort of tool to have at your disposal. Hmm. So how did you actually get involved um, with, with Kielder Observatory? Um, so for me personally, I've been part of the team now for a little over three years. Um, I've sort of developed into over that time into Aurora Girl. That's what I'm sort of <laughs> known as now because I really do love talking about and trying to track uh, the Northern Lights even from Northumberland. Um, so yeah, that's me. I got into astronomy a little bit because I had to put some inspirational teachers, to be honest. Teaching has a great impact, of course. Um, and so I did a little bit at school and then I was fortunate enough to sort of like do a little bit on the side of my degree. Um, but I was really supposed to be in a completely different department. Um, so I just did it sort of for fun, to be honest. And then years later, after I'd been working in tourism for a little while, a job popped up here. And so it was sort of like, oh, could I combine something I've been interested in but kept on the back burner alongside working with the public and stuff that I've done already? Um, so I was lucky enough to be accepted in that role and um, I've been here ever since. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Yeah, I mean, even just kind of looking around the, the observatory and, and looking at it from outside, it's, it's clearly a modern building. So it, it obviously hasn't been here that long, has it? No, yeah, relatively new. I mean, 10 years old. So... Um, yeah, you're right. It's quite a sort of conceptual design, isn't it? It's quite a nifty design from outside. It's quite different. Um, we're meant to actually look like a wooden ship ah, okay. coming out of the hillside and into the sky. And so one of the things about it is meant to be like a journey as you go through the building. Um, one of the architectural concepts was if you go through the front door, you probably remember there's no windows at that point. You can't see out, you know, where we do our presentations, you can't see out of that space. Yeah. So the idea was you come in the front door and then to see out, you look through the telescopes out into the sky. It's meant to be this whole sort of journey concept behind it. Um, and quite square as well, like normally when you think um, observatory, you think domes of white sort of hemispherical things. We've got these square, wooden, pretty chunky, pretty heavy versions. So it is quite different. But it, it also uh, kind of blends in with the surroundings because it's absolutely incredible up here. It's kind of like, uh, 
you know, it, it almost looks a bit like North America or something, doesn't it? It's kind of like yeah, that's pine forest. Yeah, we're surrounded by Christmas trees. Yeah, we are really. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful landscape. Um, it's actually the largest managed forest in England that we're that we're in. Um, so yeah, part of the concept was for us to fit in with the forest environment. Hence, why we've got a wooden structure. And so the effort's been made to sort of like patch us in with the land. So we're part of that and don't stick out like a sore thumb. Mm. Yeah. But but also um, part of the reason that the, the, the skies are so amazing. I mean, we were, we were here last night and uh, just looking up even at Orion, I kind of saw so many different stars around and, and uh, um, within the constellation that I'd, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have seen from my kind of city garden in, you know, back in, back in Bristol. But um, part of the reason for that is because it's so isolated. But um Outreach is, is such a big part of what you do here. I was wondering, like, did, do you kind of s- struggle to get people to come all the way up here? Uh, actually, we're lucky. Um, so, yeah, you're right. One of the reasons we are so rural is to escape light pollution, and it does make one hell of a difference. If you're away from those lights, you can see, even with the naked eye, so much more. Um, I don't know whether you were lucky enough to see any glimpses of the Milky Way before the moon rose last night, were you? No, I, I don't think our, our uh, eyes had kind of dark adapted enough. Ah, <laughs> well, um, maybe we'll get a chance to do that later, hopefully, if it's clear. Um, but yeah, it does make such a difference. And there might have been a little bit of a, I don't know, contention between that and trying to get people here. But what with being just over an hour away from sort of Newcastle and surrounding area, I don't think we're su- as far away as sort of uh, people might realise. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're not We're not too bad in terms of accessibility, even though the skies are really dark. And we're lucky enough to be quite popular. Um, so amazing, you know, a lot of our events are fully booked quite far in advance. People seem to be able to make that journey. Um, we're certainly glad to welcome them here and just have a great night with them, really. Yeah, and the thing they've also noticed is that um, you really do cater. I mean, last night we were with um, lots, lots of young children and families, and I yeah. think tonight we're going to be with a bit more kind of um, experienced uh, amateur astronomers. So you, you kind of cater for all age ranges and all all abilities. Yep, yep, we welcome all. Um, So, yeah, we get everybody through to really young kids, um, through to retired people, through to people who've never studied space or maybe don't have that much of an understanding yet of it, um, through to people who've studied it before. Um, So, you know, a wide range of people. We welcome everybody of every ability and try to engage with them on their level. So it's nice and accessible for everyone. Uh, we don't want to alienate anyone. Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, oh, welcome for all. So who wants to be my guinea pig to go first? Do you? Brilliant. Right, we'll test the telescope on this last year. So if you'd like to go up the steps for me, that'd be brilliant. Yep. We're going to get you a bit higher. Maybe another step as well. That's it. And then we're going to look down that tube with one eye. Now I can alter bits and bobs, like the height of the eyepiece. So if it's a bit high or a bit low, don't worry, I'll come and help you. Can you say it? No. What? What can you say? I'll do the rainbow star. Oh, that is a perfect description. High <laughs> five for that, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> a rainbow star. Once you're up here, I mean, um, last night we, it's because we're recording this in uh, mid-February, we, we saw uh, Orion and we saw the Pleiades and things like that. Um, what other kind of night sky wonders might might someone expect to see when they when they come up here? Oh well, every night can be a bit different. Actually, quite different. Um, you're right. Seasonally, of course, the sky changes. So we're enjoying our winter to spring skies at the moment in the south. Um, but then, as the skies change, our position in the solar system changes. Um, then we'll get different constellations in that part of the sky. The summer skies actually have some good planets in it. 
Um, so if you wanted to see Saturn, for example, then that's accessible in the summer skies. So different seasons offer different things. Then whether the moon's present or not makes a massive difference as well. If you've got um, a full moon in the sky, it's a beautiful object to see through a telescope. But if the moon's not there, then it means that you've got less light pollution to see the Milky Way and fainter objects as well. And occasionally, of course, we get some nice atmospheric phenomena as well, seeing them aurora girl. I'm always looking for the northern lights, which we're lucky enough to get normally about a handful of times a year. So good to be quite lucky, uh, but we're always on the lookout for it because every sighting is special. I think that might surprise some people because I think when people think of the aurora, they might they might think of you know Canada or or uh, or, or Sweden or, or or you know Scandinavia, but yeah. but but you you can actually see the northern lights this far north in, in, in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. It's more common if you go further north towards the magnetic North Pole, uh, but it does sometimes stretch this far south. Uh, so we monitor that activity up here at the observatory so that if it does stretch this far down, we can get the guests and ourselves as well outside to see it. Okay. And is there anything we should be aware of um, kind of in, in, the, in the coming year or so? Have you got any... Uh kind of plans to, to refurbish or expand or anything like that? Uh, well, we've got our new building, which has just recently opened. And so in there, we are offering quite new, higher level events for people who want to get a little bit more in-depth into the physics. Um, so that's actually on site at the observatory itself. Uh, we do have as well, though, an outreach program into schools. We've recently got a big inflatable planetarium dome. <laughs> Imagine a big blue inflatable igloo. <laughs> um, and we have a projector in there where we project to the sky. We take it into school halls. So all schools all over the Northeast, we've got a couple of people who do that like pretty much permanently during term time now, to be honest. And they go and show the kids the nighttime sky how it would look here just from their school. Um, we found with schools, sometimes we're able to welcome them to the facility but the transport costs can be prohibitive for them. And so if we are able to go to them, that cuts out one of the problems they have with um, reaching the kids about astronomy. And we want to, of course, take the message to the kids because it's dead important to do that. Um, so the planetarium is one vehicle that we're using. What do you find the reaction from, from young kids? Is it mixed or are they all generally very excited about it? Generally really excited about it, yeah, because it's something different and fun yeah. and interactive as well. So um, it's not like boring sitting at the back of the class, you know, being talked at. It's uh, you squidge into this little dome thing and have like a projection show. And we've got all sorts of things, all sorts of demonstrations that we do with them about light as well. We've got infrared cameras and UV beads. Uh, we take meteorites out into schools as well. So they get to handle some space rocks. And so because it's quite hands on, um, I think, well, hopefully they find it very engaging. And uh, so we take them normally for about sort of an hour session at a time, do like a class at a time, go through a few year groups while we're in a certain school and then move on to the next. Yeah, it's, it's all about kind of bringing it to them and making it fun because yeah. there's, there's, there's only so much you can learn from a from kind of looking at a textbook and making notes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's really important too. Don't get me wrong, like teachers obviously do a, a wicked job. Um, but if we can just sort of inject a little bit of jazz sometimes for the kids, I think maybe it's, um, that'll bring it to life for them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So. And it's, uh, it's a Friday night and it's kind of approaching about five o'clock. So what are we going to be doing tonight? Mm, so tonight, uh, it's quite a busy night. We've got three events on. Uh, the first event that we're doing is aimed at uh, children and for people of a background who haven't really studied astronomy before. 
Uh, so that's a short two-hour session, an introductory to uh, navigating the sky. And then we take it up a notch. The next session's three hours long. It's going from 8 till 11, and that's all about the northern lights. So we'll be teaching them tracking techniques about the aurora. And then we've got our hardcore session. The hardcore astronomers that come to us <laughs> midnight till three in the morning. Whoa, that is hardcore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is all about uh, stargazing, if we can, maximizing time at the telescopes and showing them all sorts of items in the sky and teaching them a little bit along the way as well. And if we get to see our disco star, I'm really happy because it means the clouds have stayed out of the way. We can't see through the clouds, unfortunately. <laughs> we need the clouds to move out the road. But if that happens, hopefully you get to see it. So now I'm talking to Dan Pai, who's one of the science presenters here at Kilder Observatory. Um, so, Dan, could you tell us, we're currently standing in a room with two very large telescopes, um, and I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, sure. Um, well, we've got a couple of different designs, actually, in this room. Um, we've got a one on a, a really big mount, uh, which is a 14-inch Ritchie Cretien style telescope. It's amazing. It's similar to the one that we've got down in the Sir Patrick Moore Observatory, just a 14-inch uh, version of the 16-inch we've got down there. And then strapped to the top of that, we've got a 5-inch refracting telescope. And the purpose of this rig is that it has a CCD camera attached to the back of it just here, uh, an ASIC CCD camera um, and a colour wheel. And then the five inch on top is its guide camera. Um, so this is designed for CCD imaging. We've just installed a new auto guide, uh, sorry, auto focuser as well, which is this little fancy box here. Not 100% sure how to use that properly yet, but we'll get there, I'm sure. Um, and supposedly that will reduce the amount of time for setup on that incredibly. Um, then on the other side, um, we've got some really exciting kit over here, actually. One of my most favourite telescopes that we have in the observatory, purely because of its quality and its clarity. We've got a Takahashi uh, four-inch telescope on there um, with a little Takahashi guide scope as well. Um, that has a one-shot colour camera attached to it. Um, and then a, a, a adjacent to that, we've got a 10-inch uh, RC telescope uh, which we're going to strap a digital SLR to the back just to give us some quick instant images. And this entire building, um, so what is its purpose? What do you do here? This is for imaging. Um, so it's, it's pure focus is for capturing images of the nighttime sky. We've got a real good selection of different ways that we can do that. Digital SLR, one-shot colour, uh, monochrome CCD. So we've got three different options to choose from. And uh, the purpose is to give the, the guest a different experience in this observatory as opposed to the others. We go for a very classic um, eye-to-eyepiece experience over there, which is what we feel is the nicest experience. But also we get, off, we get asked quite a lot, why, why can't we see colour? Um, and it's always a really perfectly reasonable question, of course, but and, and a difficult one to get your head around. But we, in here, we can um, produce that. We can take images and then produce colour for them. So we can say, this is what you're looking at right now through the eyepiece. But actually, if we take a picture of it, this, is, this looks completely different. Um, it gives us a whole different uh, pitch to the guests, I guess, as well. Um, we hold next door in the little uh, in the little room next door as well more advanced physics sessions on a weekend, so it's a more intense side of the observatory, I guess. Mm. And do you do lessons on on how to do astrophotography, or is it just showing people what it can do? We do every month. Um, we hold astrophotography classes. Um, we always encourage people to bring along digital SLRs for that. If they've got a telescope, bring that with them as well. We'll guide them through uh, the setup process. 
the different settings on the camera, take them through a, a journey as to how to take your first image and then practically work with them on that as well. Of course, if it's clear, then it gives us a great opportunity to do that. Um, the, through the telescope imaging that we do, uh, we don't go into huge amounts of details on those courses, but we, we can offer more support on that moving forward as well. And I can definitely smell currently in the building that this yeah. is, is quite a, a, a new addition to Kilda Observatory. How, how long has it been here? We opened this section in April of 2018. Uh, it's just been painted, <laughs> which is why it <laughs> smells quite fresh. Um, we've varnished the walls and we've painted a lovely roof on it. I quite like it, actually. I think it makes it look nice and airy and open. Yeah. Um, so it is a very, a very new addition and we're still... And also the, the roof, I believe it's not your traditional sort of slightly opening zoologies. The entire roof rolls off. Yeah. Does that give you a, a good view of the sky? Yeah, it does. It means we can get really great access to straight above our head. Um, of course, there's limited dome seeing in that situation as well. We don't have the, the rush of air escaping through turret doors. Instead, it's just straight open above our heads, just like we would be outside, but a little bit more protected from the elements and wind and such. And now that you've got this building um, sorted out, what's uh, your, your next plans? What's going to happen next at Kilda Observatory? We're all very excited, actually, because um, by the end of the year, we're hoping to have a, a planetarium, a sitting planetarium constructed just next to the observatory. That's going to be incredible, particularly for nights which do get a little bit more ropey because, of course, it is England and we do experience cloud. Um, so for those uh, events, then we'll have uh, an, an experience where people can enjoy the nighttime sky in our big dome as well as the uh, ambience of the observatory. And then in these two boxes, I've opened one of them. Don't tell the boss, even though it's stood there. <laughs> um, but you can, if you wish, just have a little tickle very gently with this one, just a little stroke of it. This is a piece of the moon, a little bit of moon rock that you can have a tickle. So you can go home and say, I tickled the moon at Kilda last night. <laughs> I want to take a photograph just for proof. <laughs> So we find ourselves uh, standing in uh, the park, car park at Kilder Observatory looking up at an amazing night sky. Um, we can just see the Orion constellation uh, right above us. Um, and it's kind of a fitting end to an amazing weekend, isn't it, Ez? It's absolutely brilliant. Um, earlier today, uh, this evening, it was looking very cloudy. Um, and it's just in the last half hour or so, the clouds have begun to roll back and we managed to actually take advantage of these incredible night skies that they have out here at Kilder. Yeah, and certainly a lot better than we can see from our own respective houses back in the, you know the centre of Bristol um, and I think it, it kind of just shows it really makes the case for finding your local dark sky place or your local observatory and, and paying them a visit basically and, and looking out for the the um, outreach events that they put on because not only do you get expert astronomers showing you around the night sky but you also get to take advantage of the amazing darkness and the, the plethora of stars that you can see as a result. It's fantastic. You know, normally you, I, you'd never be able to see something like the Pleiades, but we came up here and you could see it quite clearly with your eyes. It was fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we just wanted to say uh, thanks to everyone um, at Kielder Observatory for having us up. Uh, if you live nearby, pay them a visit. And even if you don't live nearby, pay them a visit or else uh, find your own um, local uh, dark sky place or observatory and pay them a visit. Um, and yeah, thanks to everyone for having us up. And uh, you can find out more about Kielder Observatory on uh, Facebook or Twitter or other social media places or put them into your web search engine and find their website um, but yeah this has been another uh, episode of Radio Astronomy um, live from Kilda Observatory Thank you for listening to this episode of the Radio Astronomy podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher For more of our podcasts 
visit our website at skylightmagazine.com or simply head to iTunes. Thank you.